The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Okay, all you Drive with Peter Vlahos and listeners on this Thursday, we're handing the program over to you. You know why? We don't have to go through any teams. There's no footy happening this week. Next week, of course, it's a completely different landscape. So we want you to get on the Temper of Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line at 13 12 55. Tell us about your topics. I know a lot has been said about the All-Australian squad. Did they get it right? And let's get the thoughts of my regular co-host on a Thursday in Kim Hagdon. Kim, good afternoon to you. G'day, Peter. Hello to you and and everyone out there, especially all our AFL uh, enthusiasts on a weekend, which I think is also worth discussing. I mean, the the amount of sort of backlash, I suppose, that we've got this Mm. buy. I thought the buy was introduced for other reasons. Now, this week, uh, we could easily just kick on with the way the season's been going. But does it whet your appetite? Can I'll you, tell you, what can it you does take do. a pause and come back and, and follow more of what Collingwood have been doing and, and, and the Melbourne trend setting and then Geelong's runaway, Fremantle's presence? Is that enough? Can you have a rest or would you rather it continue this week? And I'll throw out two uh, little conundrums here. I, I'm quite comfortable with it. I think on one hand, it is supposed to be a marathon and it's a survival of the fittest and how you manage your players going into an AFL final series. So the home and away finishes, bang, right into the AFL final series. And again, as I mentioned, survival of the fittest, players go in sore, underdone, maybe they shouldn't play, all those big decisions need to be made. But then on the other hand, Kim, the positive in my opinion is also those players that have got a bit of a, a niggle and uh, a bit sore that may not get up in the first week mm, mm. have got a chance to recover. So all of a sudden we may get a better standard of final because a lot of the players are up and going after having a bit of a rest. Yeah, and I think it also adds to the intrigue. It's what the AFL want. They want these sorts of debates and discussions you know, right around the country on players' availability or whether they should or shouldn't have the buy. It does allow, during the course of this week a total attention in on to, you know, the the individual AFL player awards, the All-Australian. We, we've seen that last night. We'll come to that in a, in a short period of time. But I, I, I sort of also feel if they're going to do that, that this week should be about the Brownlow medal as well. The Brownlow should be counted somewhere mm. this week, this Friday night, for instance, whatever. But uh, I, 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 in terms of the time off, I mean, right here in our town, we have probably the biggest story about whether the time off is beneficial to Nathan Fife or not, whether Nathan Fife should be training this week in a weekend of bye for AFL and therefore the, the, the rest weekend for the finals. Should he play with Peel? Should he train at Coburn and train for you know near on two hours in, ma- in match simulation as best he can? Has he done enough in recent... It's not as if Nathan Fife has been playing for the last five or six weeks and the rest helps him replenish and recuperate ready for a finals campaign it, it leaves him probably even more vulnerable to to more injury so mm. the the biggest story in the AFL I can't think of another one I mean no Jeremy Cameron trained yesterday trained well after having some hamstring trouble uh, so in particular there are some big names it's going to give Dusty Martin an extra week to become fresher and stronger it looks as though Martin is ready to play for Richmond next Thursday night uh, trained well over the weekend trained well early this week so I think those blokes are just about ready to go anyway Nathan Fife's not Nathan Fife's not ready to go he still needs match conditioning and 
I, I think, Nathan Fife, when you look at it, when when Justin Longmuir came out early this week to say, we're not going to send him back to Peel. We think no, it's a bit too much of a risk for Nathan mm. Fife to go back to there. Please, isn't not playing this week and then playing against the Bulldogs in a night game, in a cutthroat elimination final, even more suspect that he could break down or, yeah. or something go wrong. It, it doesn't it make him more vulnerable. They're too great a risk. So they've ruled him out. But so Nathan's played now by the time he plays on Saturday week, as I look at it, I, I think he's had one full game of footy in seven weeks. Mm. So the biggest story about the rest weekend, I think he's right here in our town, Nathan Fife. Is he going to be right? And the other one, we, we have discussed it before, is his current form, is his current plight, such that he's in, Nathan Fife, Fremantle's preferred best 22 to be able to beat the Bulldogs. Yeah. And the other big question is, no doubt he'll play forward, you'd think, Tabana, Lob, Logue, if they're all ready to go and they're all fit to play, and Fife plays as well, and he's guaranteed they're saying he's going to play. Mm-hmm. What do you do with the other three, and how do you mix it all up? That's going to be the big contention. You think Tabano will be no. the fourth cap I, off the rack? Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I'm he'd, be, he'd be the less favourable. So you go with Lob, Logan, Fife in that forward line, and Tabano won't play. That that would be how I'm reading things because, I mean, Matthew Tabano, again, a, a, a little bit similar to Nathan Fife. The longer the season's gone, the less footy they've, they've been able to play. Now, and now Tabana, um, he's just had the 13 games this season, Pete, in three stints. And he's only averaging the nine possessions a game anyway. It's not mm. as if he's been blowing blowing things off the park. And he, he's, 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 made, he's kicked the 23 goals. Now, since he's round five, seven goals against Essen, he's managed just 12 goals in, ten, in his last 10 games. So Tabana, again, probably even ignoring the calf trouble that he's trying to overcome to be available for selection next week, he's, he's still somewhat of a risk even on form because he hasn't played enough football. Yeah. So they've got to, I, I think I think Logue and Lob will be fit. I think they've already started to show those signs this week. And, that, and again, they become massive stories, particularly in our town next week mm. because it's a lead-up to that. It's, it's, it's the old waffle grand final type because we've got an AFL game with Fremantle and the, and the theatre about Fremantle, first time in, in seven years that they're back there. So I think Lobb is okay. He's back in training with his shoulder trouble. I think Logue looks okay with his groin. He looks all right. And he has to be a, pl- a floater off the bench. Um, and probably even, as we've said, probably that pinch-hitting Ruckman. Um, and that uh, Darcy goes up against English. You know, Logue goes in as, as the backup Ruckman because Lobb isn't going to want to do that with his shoulder. Or is Lobb okay for next week? If he, is his shoulder recovered enough to be able to play his normal preferred role? So that, that puts uh, Lloyd Meek back onto the trade table for mine. Even though he's contracted, he, he goes back, sitting back, waiting to see what his future is uh, and whether he can get some. It, there is some interest around on, on Lloyd, Lloyd Meek, Meek from other clubs. Mm-hmm. GWS, for instance, you know, who, who are crying out for a lead Ruckman. And if he went somewhere, he's 24, played the 14 games. He's just the backup. Jackson, Luke Jackson goes to Fremantle. I've got a little bit of news on that too. Just that might be a spanner in the works. Yeah, well, just, just hang on um, that because we'll release that. We've got some more news on Luke Jackson, by the way. Uh, so we're going to deliver that a bit later you, on in so, the program. No, I think Tabin, like you've indicated there, is probably the fourth in line there. Yeah. If you go a pecking order, it's, it's lob back. It's Logue there as well. And Fife as the full forward, effectively. Okay. What about this last night? Your thoughts? To be to be voted by your peers is, um, I guess, it's one of the highest honours for sure. Um, 
yeah, I guess I, I and my coaching staff, we think, you know, I'm doing everything I can each week. But then to to um, hear from, I guess, the whole league that you're really um, damaging each week and um, doing something very right, uh, it's a really, really cool feeling. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, probably the biggest achievement I've had so far in my career. That's Andrew Brayshaw, yeah. of course, MVP for the AFL Players Association. That is a huge endorsement by his peers. Uh, I don't think he saw it coming. I'm not sure many saw it coming. And, of course, a big conjecture is today, MVP, but uh, you start on the interchange bench when it comes to the All-Australian. How did you view that? The first thing I'll say is the Australian selectors didn't see it coming either. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have picked the most valuable player in the competition, voted by the AFL Players Association, bunch of 880-something mm. Australian football, Aussie rules footballers that form the AFL. You wouldn't have put him starting on the bench if you'd known he was going to win that award. Yeah. It's like in 2019 uh, when Nathan Fife went on to win the Brownlow. When the Australian selectors had finished their meeting in Melbourne that particular Tuesday, corresponding Tuesday of, of this, say, equal to last week, where they were in Melbourne for the, for the vote, they were about to go and, and Gillan McLaughlin said, OK, now Nathan Fife will be captain. And apparently Kevin Bartlett said, well, well no, we, we vote on the captain. And Gillan McLaughlin insisted Nathan Fife will be captain. It took place. Nathan right. Fife was named as the 2019 All-Australian captain. And two weeks later, three weeks later, he's the Brownlow medalist by quite some margin, you know, with something like, I think, about 10 or 11 three best-on-ground votes. I, I, I'm, I don't know. It just seemed to me that uh, Gillan McLaughlin knew something. So I think with the most valuable player last night being named on the bench, the selectors couldn't have known. They can now say he's a versatile player, and you do rotate. I mean, David Mundy starts on the bench pretty much every game, every quarter now. So does Joel Selwood start on the bench. So, so the bench is a bit of an old... Uh, you, you and me coming back to the reserve system, mm, Peter, or if you got mm. sent to the bench, it was uh, some degree of... Admonishment from your coach it was for a penalty, but not anymore. Um, I was, what I will say about Andrew Brayshaw, highly deserve it. Highly deserve it. I'm a little bit surprised, though, that he's won the most valuable player when invariably that gets seems seemingly voted on the other players as the best player. I mean, Andrew Brayshaw is the most valuable player at Fremantle. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But I also think the likes of Scott Pendlebury, Max Gorn, Tom Lynch at Richmond, Tom Hawkins at Geelong. They're their team's most valuable players. And you can make argument for others because that's what all of this is about. A lot of it's subjective. But I, I was a little bit surprised that he should be seen at, by, the, by his peers when you've got Clayton Oliver and Lockie Neal. Uh, but there must particular. be something the players have seen collectively yep. for him to win it that perhaps we don't from the outside. Maybe they see something when they're playing against him that maybe uh, springs it to mind. Maybe he does something that, you know, the others don't do because he's a great defensive midfielder. Well, I think he's, that... a great, he's a hard runner. He's a good attacking midfielder as well. So I'm just wondering, he covers a lot of meterage in a game. He's, he's a real gut-busting runner, isn't he? He is, and he's brave, and that's something that all the, 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 everyone in the AFL and everyone who adores it recognises, I mean, he doesn't complain. He's not someone who gets bashed around the no. shoulders or goes for a ball and gets taken out by a, a tagger, doesn't get held on to by taggers and squeal and scream and complain to umpires. Oh, what about me? Oh, have yeah. a look at that umpire. Yeah. He doesn't. No, he just gets on with the job. I think you touched on it, though, there. Where, where I reckon Andrew Brayshaw is, is 
different now to most of the other big-name midfielders, except Oliver. Oliver does get back quickly into mm. defence when they haven't got possession of the ball because he's invariably so too like the likes of Ed Langdon. They're, that's one of Melbourne's strengths. Their midfield boys do defend when they haven't got possession of the when they're not in possession of the football. Andrew Brayshaw sort of has set the trend on that, has very much set the trend on that. And I thought we saw Clayton Oliver indicate that last night when he sort of said, "Look, one thing he does do, he said he, he just covers the ground when they haven't got the football, yeah. they're not in possession." So, but that's one of Fremantle's strengths is that, and that's where I think they can get the Bulldogs next week, is that the likes of Brayshaw and Sharon, they do work. They're, they're not just the offensive run forward uh, midfielders. I think a lot of the other uh, players that get so much accolade uh, are these boys have got, and that's one of three mental strengths, and I think they've been working on it since last November. Okay, let's go to the open line. Now, of course, uh, our regular, we love having a chat to her because she brings us some news occasionally as well. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, Peter. Hi, Kim. Hello, Lisa. Yeah, good, thanks. I hope you guys have had a good week. Um, yeah, yeah, well, have you heard that um, Junior Rioli's signing a three-year contract with the Eagles? Not three years. I thought it was going to be a two years. But, Lisa, you, you, you well, go on. Continue to break the news. Well, apparently it's three years. <laughs> yep. And also hearing hearing that um, Belly might be off to North Melbourne as CEO. Peter Bell from Fremantle or Gavin Bell from yeah. West Coast? <laughs> no, Peter, 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 no, Peter Bell. Ah. I think that... Which pe- I reckon would I reckon be a good get for North Melbourne if he went. One thing I, we, I think we need to clarify there is that I think Ben Armafio is is a, a bloke with a big target on his back. He's on his way out. He's not going to survive uh, what's gone on at North Melbourne. And it's it's same as Xavier Campbell. You know, once once the, the skittle started to fall in what was happening at Essendon, you could see other people were going to go. And I think uh, Josh Marnie, who's the football manager at Essendon, will also get the squeeze as well. Yeah. So, but if, uh, And Peter Bell is right in with, he's good mates with, and they all they all are very very close, stayed close in terms of business and ex footy uh, sto- footy stories to share. He's right in with those that are now running the revival, intended revival of, of North Melbourne. So you could be onto something there, Lisa. Good on you, Lisa. Okay, and what you. about what about the All Australian? Um, you wanted yeah, to chat about want, that? Yeah, just yeah, just about the um, All Australian last night. A- Andy Brayshaw, as, as you touched on, Haggers MVP, sitting on the interchange bench. Um, Tom Barras, no show. And um, you can howl me down if you want, boys, but I think it's about time that they brought the same rule into the All-Australian as the Brownlow. If you get rubbed out, you do not get into the All-Australian squad. You know, you've got Tom Stewart in the back line. Mm. He got four weeks for, for his, you know, brutal smack on Prestia. Stephen May gets into a, you know, into a stash with one of his teammates in, 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 a, in a restaurant. He got a week. And he and he gets the all Australian jacket. Mm. But, you know, I just I just don't think that's right. Yeah, good on you, Lisa. We'll discuss that. Uh, you put up a very interesting point. I'd love to get other people's thoughts on it as well. I've got my opinion, and I'll share it uh, with you. And Hags has got his opinion on it as well. Do you agree with Lisa or not? Give us a call on the Scarborough Toyota Open Line thirteen twelve fifty five or on the Tempera Bedshed Text Line. And that number, if you don't know it already, is zero four eight seven seven three six seven three six. I played some good footy during that uh, 12 to, to 19 period, but I was I was just uh, very consistent as a player, and um, I try and sort of break it down into being as consistent as I possibly can. And there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, the work that um, I lean on with my teammates and how much they help me, my coaches, the work that I do uh, on my own craft and um, and watching other football, but then also just the way that. 
I enjoy myself away from football and, and find a really nice balance. Um, I think it's a lot of those things. Um, I've got I've got great internal drive, which um, which is which is really important um, for a, for any player across the competition. Or, or I mean, you look at it in life, um, uh, in perspective of life. It's um, I feel like I've I've got the drive to to not only be uh, a great player and, and try and leave a legacy, but you know, be be a great father and um, and friend and, and family member. So um, there's a lot of things that go into um, to why players are, uh, are consistently good, but that's probably a little bit of a snapshot of my journey. I've always uh, looked at the captain of the All Australian side and and uh, and thought, um, you know, firstly for them to make it in the side is an honour, but then the word that comes to mind is just it's it's cool to to be a part of. It's an elite um, elite side, so um, yeah, very very proud, very proud. Yeah, the All-Australian captain, Geelong forward Tom Hawkins, uh, raised a few eyebrows amongst many AFL fans. Five Geelong players in the All-Australian. Hawkins, Jeremy Cameron, Tyson Stengel. Hasn't he been a revelation? He's, uh, re he's the recruit of the year. No question. Uh, Tom Stewart and, of course, Mark Blitzarves, named in the 22-man squad. And, of course, uh, there's been a couple of incidents where you haven't been a club captain and you've got the captain of the All-Australian. The one that I can recall was Lance Buddy Franklin, who has never been captain of the Hawthorne side or Sydney Swans, but was named All-Australian captain, I think it was in 2018, actually. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Look, and, and I don't agree with it at all. I, 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 was, I was amazed when I found out uh, that Tom Hawkins was going to be, before last night, that Tom Hawkins was going to be the All-Australian captain. Um, for mine, if there's club captains in an All-Australian team, then immediately they the agenda and the criteria should be, well, then they're considered for captaincy of the All-Australian team. And even more so, this, this this becomes fairly objective, my argument now. Max Gorn is leading the ruck. He's his club captain and he's the reigning premiership captain mm. and he's mm. not the All-Australian mm. captain. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that is, that's wrong. Yeah. And especially when, when Lance Franklin got that elevation in 2018, I think it was his eighth, all-Australian selection as an ambassador of the game. You could see there was a lot of politics in it, but it was his eighth time. And you could sort of see at the time, that's probably fair enough. If the, and the argument was, if this team's about to play a game, who would be the most senior player to be the captain? And I thought, yeah, well, okay, you can make a case. But is, is that your criteria every season? It seems to chop and change depending on what the chief executive of the time wants, especially in the current domain where Gillan McLaughlin seems to call all the shots. So Tom Hawkins last night, it's his fifth time, fourth time in a row as an All-Australian. He's not his club captain. He's not even close to his club captain. No. So there's no justification for that. That's when Patrick Cripps, who's, who's Carlton's captain, is named as vice-captain. And Max Gorn is leading that ruck. Max Gorn should have been the All-Australian captain last night. Okay. And let's go back to what Lisa threw up. And I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Not just Kim Hagdorn's thought, but your thoughts listening on SEN 657 in Perth. SEN Spirit uh, through Bunbury in the southwest. 621, of course, uh, SEN Spirit. Uh, those people in the gold fields at SEN 1611, uh, DAB Plus, SEN Peel, or on the SENWA app. I don't th think the same criteria applies to the All-Australian as it does to the Brownlow medal, where it's the best and fairest. In the end, they're looking to basically put together the 20 best footballers or 22 best footballers that have done and well, well, got then, to the elite if, level during that season. And Tom Stewart, clearly, even though he got that four-game suspension for a callous act, 
He clearly has been one of the star defenders of the league this year. Oh, no, no question. No question. But uh, it was an ugly act. And whether it's one game or four, whether it's a, a minor type of offence. But that doesn't that goes... take away from his ability. No, no. Nor, it could, no, nor does it take away your ability if you get a one-game suspension for a sling tackle mm. and you can't win the Brownlow medal. So that but, doesn't take your ability away, but, but it makes but you ineligible. Different. There is the best and fairest component to the Brownlow medal. Well, then maybe there should be for the All-Australian team. Maybe you think so? Oh, and we're living in a world whereby uh, it's so politically correct. They've got uh, codes of behaviour. If you breach those, you should be copping some sanction. You've got your suspension and, you know, well, I'm ineligible for All-Australian this year. I better clean my act up next year because I'd like to be All-Australian uh, yeah, back pocket. But does it mean as much to be an All-Australian as it does to be a Brownlow medalist? No, clearly not. Yeah, no. that's what I'm saying. I mean, that was a loaded question. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, Hags. To me, pick the best team regardless of what's happened during the course. Well, have they now, picked Pat- the- Now, all of a sudden, the Patrick Cripps situation. Well, Many thought that he should have been rubbed out. That yeah. means he shouldn't have been in the All-Australian, had he not gone to the appeals board and yeah. overturned and, that And there decision. is that process for that, but that was to help him play the next two games of footy when Carlton's season was on the line. They needed their best player. And, and I go back to the most valuable player. He, to Carlton, is their most valuable player. He's also their best. Um, but if you're ineligible for the Brownlow for an offence like that, if you can't just sort of come up with the argument that the best 22, Peter, because we've got we've got a, a massive audience out there saying, well, they haven't got the best 22. Mm, mm. One thing about the All-Australian every year is that they are the best 22 that those selectors pick, but there's always a debate about who didn't get in there, and they could justify being in there. And in this case, I mean, I, I also think that uh, Tom Barras, I would have gone for Stephen May, and Sammy Taylor, he's an outstanding selection. Correct. And, and he probably absolutely sealed it last weekend with his game for GWS in the He's last He's becoming game an outstanding intercept marker in defence Isn't he now? courageous as yeah. well? Mm. But, uh, and Tom Barras, but you could make an argument for Barras, but did Barras deserve to be in there for being in such a terrible team just because he was the fullback where teams were getting 60 and 70 forward entries against them every week doesn't necessarily matter. And he did have some poor games. May and Taylor were far more consistent for mine to get those two key positions. And uh, I stick with my argument. I think, yeah, I'm I'm leaning Lisa's way, Peter. I think if you were ineligible for the Brownlow, you should be ineligible for the All-Australian selection as well because you've committed offence, which the AFL has seen enough to to suspend you for. Okay. Well, give us your thoughts on that. There is that appeals process that you can go through. There's three elements you can go through to beat any kind of sanction from the MRO. Okay. So give us your thoughts on that. Love to hear from you on the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. And looking at the 22 All-Australian team here in front of me, Hags, they are so much better than any other side. When you look at three All-Australians, in the attacking forward line for Geelong. Hawkins, mm, mm, Cameron, mm, Stengel. Mm. Then they've got Blitzars you can throw anywhere. And then you've got Tom Stewart, of course, in the defence. I tell you what, you know who's going to beat Geelong in the final series? Themselves. Simple no, as good, that. It's a good call. And I, but I think they're on top of that. You're just getting a real strong impression from them. And, and even yesterday for, for Cameron and Duncan and Stanley to all train efficiently, clearly, they've cleared themselves. They're going to be available. They're facing selection dilemmas because those all those players are going to be available to play and they didn't play the last round. So they are, they are 
I think, fine-tuning. We've said this for several weeks, Peter. We've been watching them managing players, even players. I thought last Saturday against West Coast, I found it very difficult to come up with, very difficult to be convinced of my 3-2-1 for best on the ground. There was no West Australian, there was no West Coast Eagles contender. They had about eight because to 10, Collingwood, because they kept, um, Geelong, because they kept rotating players through. Bench, Forward, Dangerfield played as a forward pocket pretty much the whole game. Mm. And and others had the chance around the ball, you know, uh, the likes of uh, uh, Brendan Parfitt and so on, guaranteed his spot, especially once uh, Guthrie went off with a shoulder problem. They just rotated everyone around. They all played ringer, ringer, rosy sort of footy. That was just a refinement, I thought, from Geelong. And you thought, gee, how are this mob going to get beaten? It's a very good call they could beat themselves, but I think they're right on top of it, absolutely right on top of it. Um, and just on that with Barras... Where I think he'll get some compensation out of missing All-Australian selection, whether he should have been in it or not, you could make a case. He would have been quite a justifiable fullback or centre. He can only play fullback. Can't yeah. play centre-back, whereas Sam Taylor could play centre-half-back. Stephen May is a fullback. I'm convinced that Tom Brast will be crowned as West Coast Eagles' fairest and best, their club champion tomorrow night. Uh, here at uh, Crown. I think yeah, they're, having it, they're having it early this season. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I reckon it wasn't too long into the season they could have made the booking because they were never going to play finals this year. But I think Barras, the one of my concerns about West Coast's fairest and best contenders, Peter, here's my list of names. as The only people... Barras will win it. I'm prepared yeah. to go as far. I think Barras will win their fairest and best. He should. But... I think other contenders for second, third, fourth, fifth, say to round out their top five are Shannon Hearn, Tim Kelly, Jack Darling, Jack Redden, Liam Duggan, Andrew Gaff. What, what's the constant there or what's missing? All, there's no young players. There's not one young player. No, there's close. no young players. Not one young player. Yeah, I think they're, all, they're all experienced veterans. And the thing is with, uh, and there's been a lot of, and I've been one, Jack Redden should retire. Mm. Jack Redden has, is playing on. It's been confirmed. He's triggered his contract. He had to play 19 games this season. He's done that. So Jack Redden played 21 games. He's one of only two players that played 21 games out of West Coast 22 this year. And then they had two other players that played 20. Liam Duggan is one of those. So that's why they'll finish high. And this is where Adam Simpson, who's just just hell-bent on supporting these old blokes to stay at West Coast and to play on next year, help with the revival, Jack Redden will finish top three or four. And yet he should be retiring. Amazing. All right, Haggers, we'll come back. There's a lot of issues to discuss. What's happening at Essendon? Of course, uh, the Dane Zorko issue took another twist today. Uh, Collingwood. And, of course, you've got that news regarding uh, Luke Jackson as well. That's not too far away. So stay with us. Get involved uh, with the program. It is uh, the Tempera Bedshed text line 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough Toyota open line 131255. We're here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre. 25 to 6, it is a Drive with Peter Vlaus and Kim Hagdorn as we look at some of the issues in the AFL. As we know, no games this weekend, but we'll return to the norm next week. Now, we will be broadcasting the first final on Thursday between Brisbane and Richmond, so there won't be any Drive program next Thursday. So, Haggers, I've got him, I've twisted his arm. He'll come in on Wednesday to preview the uh, AFL final. So you wouldn't want to miss the preview because all four games just offer so much, don't they? We'll go through and we'll do matchups and and whether if the Bulldogs are going to be able to, I think right now, I think Fremantle can beat the Bulldogs week one here. So that's that Saturday night, Saturday evening here. And it's the last game of the weekend, the the four finals. Yeah. 
I, I, right now, I think West, uh, Fremantle is good enough to beat the Western Bulldogs. The Bulldogs changed their game to how they got beaten by Fremantle weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, and then it could create something pretty challenging for Fremantle with the way Fremantle are going to want to play their attacking game. Mm-hmm. The Bulldogs are going to want to play their attacking game. I think Fremantle have a better attacking group, better attacking game to finish with scores than the Bulldogs because the Bulldogs just just bomb the ball just so concerningly. And if they bomb the ball like they did against Fremantle just three weeks ago, again, the likes of Pierce and Ryan and Cox and the run out from Clark we'll just, we'll just and Young. Them off. They'll just pick them yeah. off. Yeah. So right now I think Fremantle uh, is ahead of the Bulldogs, but the Bulldogs have got two weeks Instead of rushed into this week, they've got two weeks to work on. They would have to change the way they've played, particularly with the way they're finishing at toward goal, towards the likes of Norton and and Bruce, yeah. expecting for Waitman to crumb because it's not working well enough for the Bulldogs to be able to beat Fremantle. I reckon it's going to be a nervy night for Frio supporters. Don't worry about that. Oh, yeah. I reckon it's going to be a close one. I think Frio hopefully will get up, but I think it'll be a nervy night. Mm. Now, Haggers, mm. what's the latest with Luke well, Jackson here? West Coast have apparently increased intensity in the chase for Luke Jackson. So it's not done and dusted at the Dockers, it appears. Well, my understanding is that this movement that I've just heard about this afternoon is causing quite some concern at Fremantle because Jackson, we know he's only 20, doesn't turn 21 until September during the finals, late into the finals. So he's been linked with the move to Fremantle on a whopping deal and we've all been across it for for many, many weeks to the extent where... I felt it was a done deal. He's coming to Fremantle. But we've always known that West Coast were going to sit back. And that whopping deal has been talked about as as around about $1.2 to $1.4 million a year for up to six or seven years that Fremantle have talked about. But West Coast have apparently increased their offer in recent days by $200,000 a year to Luke Jackson. Now, the other thing that we've been right across for many weeks, Peter, is that West Coast have the draft picks that Melbourne will be more willing to deal mm. with West Coast. So if West Coast can convince Luke Jackson, well, if you want to go home or come home, here's our offer. It is now bigger than Fremantle's and we've got what Melbourne need. We've got pick number two, pick number 20, pick number 26. We've got next year's first round pick. We've got a lot more then Fremantle can offer your team Melbourne, which is pick 14 and 74 right mm, now. Mm. So it, it's, 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 it's going to hot up. West Coast are not out of the race for Luke Jackson. I'm still like you. I'm still more convinced that he's locked in. He's, he wants to go to Fremantle. And I also continue to hear that not many players are keen to go to West Coast because they expect West Coast, the, the competition-wide, except from the, within the four walls of Lathlane Park, Expect West Coast to be down for some period of time. They don't think they can rebound next year all that quickly. And, and even the coach has given us that indication in, in just a recent interview that he has conducted that it's going to take a little bit of time. That's self-preservation on Adam oh, Sixers' part, isn't and it? And that's the first time I've heard him say that. It's the first time I've heard him say that. He said that about this season. You know, we'll get better as the season goes on after the bye. They didn't get that much better. They were a bit more competitive. They didn't cop 100-point hammerings, but they only won one game, and that was against Essendon. But he said just in the last week or so that it may take a little bit of time to get where a lot of people expect us to be. And that, to me, is someone that knows, well, I've locked into all these old blokes. There's too many of them going on. Mm. I mean, and I've got enough young cattle to come up yet. Uh, hang on, but also lack of confidence in what they've got there 
to whatever they get. We just touched on it. They, they get pick number two. They get pick number 20. They get pick number 26. Those three kids should all be picked to play league football from round one next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's a Sam Walsh. It's a Luke Jackson. Whoever they take at pick number two, he starts next year or they haven't picked the right kid. Now, they... To me, if they're talking about, oh, it could take a bit longer than what we what we initially started to indicate, then they're not that confident that the, in the program that can hurry these kids along, nor the program to help the likes of Natanui and Hearn and Redden and Shuey to stand up to the rigours of AFL with the way it's been played now, which West Coast couldn't cope with this year. Because one thing you did say regarding Natanui, you did say a couple of weeks ago, once he gets over this operation, he'll be straight back in the pre-season. Now, that's been confirmed. He could start running in a couple of weeks' time. And so he should. Yeah. I did read we're running in three or four weeks' time. Now, if he's not running for three or four weeks' time, then that's a bit more work done on that left knee than what we've been indicated. They've said it was just a, a bit of a trim-up. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a minor surgery. If it's minor, then he's back in a couple of weeks. And also then start with a dietitian, a program that trims about 15 kilos off him as well. You were well. saying 11 last week. I said 11 to <laughs> eight. No, I've, no, no, I've said 15 to 20. But West Coast lost 27 of their last 31 games. Since the bye in round 14 in June last year, Peter, an average losing margin of 46 points. They lost 11 games before the bye this year. So they were one win and 11 losses before the bye this year at an average losing margin of 64 points. Mm. So Adam Simpson was right. They were better after the bye because after the bye, they only lost nine out of 10 (laughs) at an average losing margin of 33 points. So they did improve marginally. All right. So they've got a couple of weeks of the waffle. They've got their uh, John Worsfold medal count tomorrow night. We expect Tom Barrist, of course, to take it off as uh, is expected. So what will we see in a couple of weeks' time when they look at their list? There surely is going to be a bit of movement with their list. As we know, the experienced campaigners will be there, but the next tier, the likes of Petricelli, the likes of O'Neill, the likes of Rotham and all those, that they'll be the ones that are under the microscope. And I'll see a few of them actually are going to have a run in the WAFL well, There's side. about 15 going back. And the biggest two names of that for mine are Josh Rotham, back to the waffle, and Bailey Williams. I'm a little bit surprised yeah, that Bailey surprised. Williams is being sent back, uh, I must say. But, uh, look, I continue to hear that Josh, Josh Rotham is seriously considering seeking a trade. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we'll see much of that while they're still playing in the waffle. So that's this Saturday, the following weekend. Then, surely, uh, then then we'll start to see a little bit of movement on the, uh, from the West Coast Eagles list. But I, I wouldn't suspect a lot, Peter, because they've got the four or five draft picks they hopefully get someone through the preseason draft, which they might not, because if their list is full, and it's going to be full of all these old blokes, there's not going to be a lot of movement. So Kennedy and Shepard go off the list. Not too many, so three or four others. Yeah. Uh, so if, jo- if Roth and Moo, for instance. A bit of whisper, because yep. uh, our producer is pretty well connected at West Perth, and I've heard, yeah, he's pretty keen to look at other opportunities. It appears that nah, so there's some, some murmurs that Collingwood might be interested in Josh Rotham, possibly. Well, let's, let's hope he goes because yeah, the kid needs yeah. the kid needs someone that's willing to perhaps show a bit more faith in him than what Adam Simpson has with uh, with with Rotham, for instance. I mean, he's not been, a bad he's, club to go to. Either. No, <laughs> Let me tell no you. with the way they're at, they're going to yeah. stay about the place. Um, and I suppose as he'd be versatile enough to get play, I suppose third defender, running. Midfielder, uh, he also gives him a bit forward. of depth, yeah, and you'll yeah. know. And and he's been at West Coast for six years, so Josh Rotham needs to say to Adam Simpson, "Am I going to get 
better treatment next year and play a lot more, or should I look somewhere else? Yeah, I, I'm not look sure. him in the eye, uh, make him uh, say yeah, to you where you I'm stand. Not, I'm not convinced with what Adam Simpson said a few weeks ago that possibly he could be in his plans. He just did say a few weeks ago he's got a lot of work to do. Well, hang on, he's been there six years. <laughs> he's been there six years. What have you done with him? Anyway, uh, we're going to take our final break, Hags. I need to talk to you about some other issues as well. Uh, what's happening at Essendon? And also, uh, the, the Zorko situation has taken an interesting twist today. I'm just wondering how that's going to impact on Melbourne. We'll have to wait and see. And as I said, any other issues you'd like to bring up, give us your thoughts. Uh, 0487 736 736 or the Scarborough 2 out of open line 13 12 55. The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Toolmark, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. Well, the bloodletting at Essendon may not yet have stopped with long-time list boss Adrian Dodoro and football manager Josh Marnie now under the microscope. That's after, of course, his CEO left yesterday. Well, I did have the backing of the board. What changed is that, for me... Um, I reflected it with, with Claire, my wife, and I sort of thought, well, have I got the energy to go again? And that's what changed. And it's probably been something that I've been thinking about for a little bit now. It's been a tough year, you know. Um, so that's the only thing that changed. It changed, it. and you know, we had the press conference Sunday. It was a difficult press conference. I left there, I went straight to Ben's. I spent a few hours with him and some other staff. And I came home, spent some time with the kids, and then I, I drove to Dave's and. I had a good discussion. I had a good discussion with Dave. It's not, there's no animosity by any stretch. Um, and he, you know, we both align in wanting the best for the football club. It was slightly different ways of getting there, but ultimately we're aligned with that. And I, I wish Dave and the, and the board and all these great staff all the best. I just hope the club, the people outside the club, inside the club, just get behind the club and move forward. Support the next coach. Support Dave as president. Support the executive. Uh, support the playing group. Because we all want what's right. We all want success for the Essendon Football Club. I don't think I've ever experienced uh, from afar such division mm. at a football club, even a sporting club, as what's not, happened at Essendon in the last couple of weeks. Not in the modern world, is it? I no, mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's amazing. Cheap executives and, and you know, most boards are made up and, of you know, and past very wealthy, like very Simon Madden, Sean Wellman on the board. You're saying, but also, I'm getting I'm off. Out. I, I don't want to put up with this yeah, anymore. I'm getting out. Given good service. Uh, it, 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 it's more like a community-based or country, mm. town sort of yeah. reaction, isn't it? So, oh, so well, what's you the major can... division, do you think, Hags, amongst the board? Is it the coach? Is it someone well, like was James the coach? Heard? It was the coach. Yeah. Because there was four, there was, you know, the board was pretty split on support for Rutten. There was clearly a bunch of uh, breakaways that were talking to um, Alistair Clarkson. Mm. Oh, as I said, we, I checked back through my uh, resources and, 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 a, and an acquaintance, the one who was informing me, but it was back in June. After Essendon lost to West Coast here uh, in Perth was when they first thought, we, we've got to do something. They, they just didn't rate Rutten at all. So that, that's back in, uh, just after round 15, Peter. So it's mm. two months ago they started talking to Clarkson and he was very, very interested. But they then had to go back to the likes of the previous president, Brasher, and two or three of the board members who were so too supportive of Rutten, mm. but also kept pointing out Rutten's contracted for next year. It's not as if we've... The, the bloke's out of contract and we can do away. It's cost us a heck of a lot already over the last... They've been a mess for 10 or 12 years, Essendon. You know, with the pre-drug saga, since then, you know, Thompson's coaching reign. There's so many problems behind the scenes. So uh, Animosity between football staff and the chief executive. It's a bit like Carlton of last year. 
So the chief executive had to go. No matter what he says there, he's, he's sort of very smarmy, sort of spoken very cleverly. But marketing types of people are very good at that. Mm. And that's that was his expertise. Didn't have the football expertise. Josh Marnie hasn't been able to keep it together. So you mentioned the Dodoro and, and Marnie. I, I don't think Dodoro's in any trouble because he's he's got the keys to the safe that's got all the player negotiations that are going on, the likes of Taranto, yeah. you know, to be talked about, uh, the handling of, of the departure of, of so, uh, so, Dyson Heppel. So, so what, what happens? They probably won't have a coach for another month. Who's going to prepare the list for next year? Adrian Dodoro. He'll be preparing the list. Well, and the coach comes in and says, well, you, why'd you get him? Mm. Why'd you get him? Well, I don't think you can afford to. You'd have to take if, – if you're not going to be given the Essendon job until two or three or four or five weeks' time – You think it'll that, that take a, that amount I, of time? I don't time. think it will. I, you th- don't think so? I, I think given how much a mess Essendon has become and the deluded nature with which they these people that are in control think they're doing a good job, they'll go for, they'll go for some big names. But who are the big names on the radar, Hags? Hinkley. Regardless of – Kosh and others saying, mate, yeah. he's here. Yeah. But, no, but that... you, you can't fall for that, Peter. You can't think that David Kosh says, he's here, he's coaching next year. Is and Kinkley, someone is behind Kinkley, the... Is Hinkley contracted till next year? For one more year. Okay. So then all of a sudden he goes to Essendon. Then Port Adelaide have got a problem. Yeah. But, you but, don't... but they might have... They would have you don't want to be coaches out... in the, in the, in the wash-up already. It's a far more stable existence. And they, if, if, so it's purely hypothetical. So a port would then have, they'd have a, their own assistant coaches, a quick call would be made to Jared Schofield. Are you interested? Of course you are games after Taj got dropped from the, from the list. It might, <laughs> might, be a part of the, might be part of the scheme to move it on to make it more attractive that you don't have to try to handle your son, son here. Yeah. It's very hypothetical what we're talking there. But you cannot discount that board members and chairmen and people that want to run the club Kevin Sheedy, Mark Harvey, they're the people behind the scenes that are, that went for Clarkson. It didn't work because they couldn't get the board uh, in unison on it. They didn't go to Clarkson early enough. Eventually, he was ready to go. This time last Thursday, Clarkson was going to Essendon. Mm. But North Melbourne's offer was ridiculously impossible to refuse because of the AFL funding behind it. Could they, could they pluck somebody? So they could easily go to someone with another similar deal to say, look, we messed this up. Keep it very quiet. Where are you at with you know with one more year at the club that you're at? You've got two more years. You've won three premierships somewhere. Are you interested? Why don't they think about Mark Williams? That's what I was going to say. What yeah. about Mark Williams? I, the other thing is, if Hinkley goes to Essendon, then Mark Williams, Williams would be a good fit for Port Adelaide, Absolutely. wouldn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. And he's yeah. done an outstanding job at Melbourne. Is All the information and all the talk behind the scenes is that Mark Williams has been brilliant behind the scenes. And he's a legend. Uh, the, the, uh, Foss and Mark are uh, just part of the Port Adelaide one thing culture. You, one thing I'm just not... We need to say on the record here, Peter. On the Ross, record. Ross Lyon has got not one hope in hell of being considered. Remember what he did to Mark Harvey? Yeah. There's no so chance. So Kevin Sheedy <laughs> and Mark Harvey will not let Ross Lyon even be talked about at Essendon. Oh, good on you, Hags. Have a great yeah, weekend. Enjoy your weekend off, even though you'll be working, I know, trying to get all the last-minute news. Haggers is back next Monday. I'll be back again tomorrow morning for the Tab Touch Lounge, the final edition of the Tab Touch Lounge on a Friday between 8 and 10. You've got to sleep in. You'll be able to sleep in, (laughs) Haggs. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. Uh, And thanks for joining us on the program. Have a good night.